Hey, when you have health insurance, it's easy to forget about those out-of-pocket costs. Now, that could be a lot of money, but are your medical bills accurate? Now, it's estimated that over 50% of medical bills actually contain errors. Now, HealthLock can help. HealthLock technology securely connects with your insurance and flags any overbilling, wrong codes, or fraud. Now, you can even have HealthLock work on your behalf to get money back from select past bills. Now, to date, HealthLock has helped its members save over $130 million. Check them out online, healthlock.com. Go there today. Pure Talk, my sponsor and my wireless company, of now providing international roaming to over 50 countries. Now, as you plan your summer travel, make sure that your wireless company covers you at home and abroad. Now, you can get unlimited talk and text, plenty of 5G data for just 20 bucks a month. That's less than half the price of Verizon, AT&T, and T-Mobile for the exact same service. Just go to puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N, make the switch today. Save an additional 50% off your first month. That's puretalk.com slash Sean, S-E-A-N. Hey, warmer days remind us of fond summer memories. Now, you can make those moments year-round with a Michael Phelps swim spa by our friends at Master Spas, and that combines the leisure of a hot tub with the exercise benefits of a pool. Now, Master Spas technology is incredible with LED lighting, beautiful waterfalls, and those super powerful water jets installed in just one day. You're going to love it. Proudly made in America. Use the promo code Hannity in the upper right-hand corner. That's masterspas.com for up to $1,000 off. You can exercise, relax, recover with the only hot tub and swim spa brand I trust, masterspas.com. Okay, winter is on the way, and if you listen to this show, you know there's only one product that I absolutely rely on when I get a sore throat or a scratchy throat, and that's the delicious Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops Now, it's the only throat drop that is ranked number one in throat coating action, number one. And, I mean, you can literally feel it, that coating of your throat, with their gum acacia, their plant glycerin, and, of course, their delicious natural flavors. Now, they're amazing. My favorite is wild cherry and licorice. I also love the honey and licorice. Now, I've turned a lot of people onto Pine Brothers. You want to know the first three things that come out of their mouth? One, they're delicious. I can feel them coat my throat, and, wow, they're soft, almost like a gummy bear. Yeah, I know they're soft. That's why they're called Pine Brothers Softish Throat Drops. Now, work with me, people. So this season, look, you're going to have some throat issues and do what I do to soothe my golden throat. I use Pine Brothers Throat Drops. You will love this product. It's worth every penny. You can find Pine Brothers at CBS, Select, Walmart, Target, ShopRite. Why? Because All right, happy Friday. What a week this has been. Let not your I'm heart be troubled. You here. are well, listening to the Sean Hannity week. Radio Show Podcast. If Hillary won. <laughs> look at you all laughing. I mean, it's easy to laugh now. I mean, we were given our odds the day before the election. Linda was Linda was the most bullish. She knew her Pennsylvania would come through. Ethan and I were at the 50-50 range. Where were you, Sunshine? Lauren, I was at Landslide. You were at the land. You were not at Landslide, were you? Wow. And I think, Jason, you were with me pretty much, or a little bit hopeful. I said I was going to be disappointed if it wasn't a landslide, but I, from the beginning, since he'd won the primary, said that he was going to win. Yeah, listen, it was never easy, and I one thing I feel good about, look, as we look back on this whole process, and it is probably, by every account, way too long, it, by every measure it goes on way too long, um, I am proud of this fact that we made a promise. Didn't we, we all sat down, remember the meeting in early 2015, And we sat down and I said, this is how we're going to handle the election. 
And what? You don't remember the meeting? You're not even what you, you don't even look and listen to me. She does. She is not paying attention to me. You're not listening one bit. There's a show going on here that you're supposed to. This be is listening my to. favorite show ever. Yeah. OK. You didn't hear one word I said. What did I say? You know what? With great specificity and clear clarity, 94 million out of the labor force, 54 trillion on food stamps. Uh-huh. You know, this is this is unprecedented. Thank God for Trump. OK, that's not what I said at all. And you weren't listening and you were talking to the snap. All right. Well, forget it. The one thing that I am proud of is that we set out of strategy how to handle the election with you, our listeners in mind, how we can best serve you. And same with TV. We had the same strategy. We had the same meeting. And I remember I got from Matt Schlapp. um, I think, you know, Matt Schlapp is married to Mercedes Schlapp, and he married way out of his league. And they have the cutest girls I've ever seen in my life. They have the cutest family. Anyway, so Matt had invited me at the time whether or not I would come back to CPAC, which I had kind of abandoned over the years for different reasons like other conservatives had. And I said I would. And he said, I want you to take on a pretty significant role. And I said, I'd be glad to. And he said, I want you to do your radio show from here. And I said, I would be glad to. And maybe even your TV show. And I said, that's fine. And he said, I want you to start interviewing those people that we think or have said that they're going to run. And I said, I'd be glad to do that, too. And so I had to make a decision. I mean, there were 17 people running. And of the 17, I, I probably liked all of them. I don't think there's anybody I had a dislike for. And I remember I interviewed Donald Trump and interviewed Rick Perry and interviewed Ted Cruz and interviewed Rand Paul and interviewed Marco Rubio and Ben Carson. And we had all these guys on and it was part of an effort to bring you as much access to the candidates as we we could. And I said at the time, I said that was going to be my mission for the next year. Then you fast forward to this year, 2016. And these guys were battling it out with each other. And then we get to the the primary season. And it was maybe just the primary started in February. I think it was one month later. We're back at CPAC. And it was kind of down at that point already to Trump, Cruz, Kasich, Rubio. And it was getting tighter. I said Trump, yeah. And, yeah, Jeb, I think, was still in it at that point. And I said, I'm going to continue doing what I just did. And that is I'm going to let you decide. And that's when I gave my speech at CPAC where I said, at the end of this process, I asked the audience, I said, some of you are going to be extremely upset and unhappy. And I said, if you don't get on board, it's not going to be good. And I asked everybody at CPAC, I said, wait, hang on, don't stand yet. I said, do you promise that if your guy loses, you'll support whoever the eventual winner is? I had no idea in March of this year who the nominee was going to be, and I don't think anybody else did either. And then I made a promise that whoever the nominee was, that I would support them. And I'm glad I did. And I'm glad we went all in. And very much, very similar to 2008, um, because we do this in spite of all the media coverage, it's a surprise to them every four years that I go all in for the candidate that I think is going to best serve the American people whose policies I believe the most in. And I did that in 2007 and 8. We were vetting Barack Obama. I mean, we were doing hours about the radical who's about to take the White House. And we were telling you things and digging deep with information that nobody else would seem to be willing to give you. 
and the whole country collectively seemed to be caught up in Obama mania, and it was like a mental condition for some people, and nobody wanted to hear one negative thing, but we did our job anyway, and we were criticized greatly for it, and in the end, sadly, he got elected, and sadly, I was more right than I thought I would be, and I tried to warn you again in 2012. I still to this day will stick by the fact that I think Mitt Romney would have been a good president. I think Mitt Romney understood the economy. I think he, I don't know what happens to people when they lose the presidency. Something, there, there is a very profound, deep, negative impact to the psyche because every time I see somebody lose the presidency, they lose it. Al Gore is a perfect example. I cannot explain. It's inexplicable what happened to Romney in this cycle um, or the Bushes for that matter. You know, frankly, I didn't have as much confidence in Lindsey Graham. I mean, you know. I was very disappointed in John Kasich in particular. I think John Kasich, the fact that eight and a half points, Trump wins Ohio. Eight and a half points without the sitting governor, Republican governor's support, help, assistance in any way, shape, matter, or form. As a matter of fact, I even heard that he tried to, you know, work to shut down certain venues for Republican infrastructure to help him. I don't know if that's true or not. Kasich won't talk to me anymore. I think our friendship is pretty much over, and it's not my doing. I wrote him a long text. I said, I'd like to talk to you, and he said, if it's about Trump, no, and then I wrote him a longer text, and I said, oh, we could talk about the weather. We could talk about our kids. We could talk about anything but what is at stake in this election, the Supreme Court, refugees, the economy, energy, jobs. Foreign policy, I can't talk to you about that, but I can talk to you about superfluous nonsense. So it, I know to this, um, people ask me, oh, how do you, you must feel great. You must feel so good. Uh, that's not my emotion. I know you wish it was. You want me to come on the air today, and I can see it in those Pennsylvania eyes of yours, those Philly eyes of yours, and you want the combative, defiant, in-your-face, naming names, sticking it to everybody, Hannity, don't you? You do. I'm glad you're finally listening. The microphone, this is radio. I mean, I just feel like if I have to listen to one more protester tell me that uh, Hillary is going to be their president because Trump's not my president, the least I can do is give them a little honest feedback. My bigger problem, mine's different. My my greater anger is that how Republicans— the very same people that helped create a venue for Trump to emerge as an outsider are the very people I don't trust. You can see now, oh, I love you, Mr. Trump. Oh, great. I love you. I love you. I love you. I love you. They're full of crap, too. Last on the train, first off the train. That's the that's my advice to Trump. All those people kissing your ring and sucking up to you. And yes, Mr. President elect and all that nonsense. Don't buy it. Because the first time controversy hits, they're going to be the first people to go running. You know, as soon as legislation gets tough, they're going to be the first people to say, you know, maybe it's a little tough what you're selling here. Man, why don't you water it down the way we water down everything? You do that, you're going to lose your base. You lose that. You do that, you're not going to be a leader. You're not going to be an effective president. And the good thing about Trump is I don't think it's in his nature. I don't think he's impacted a whole hell of a lot by what people say. You know, people would say to me, Hannity, we know you're giving him advice. We know. And all these media people would ask me, you're giving him. I said, I'll give anybody advice that is willing to listen to it. 
And one of the things that I can tell you about Trump, he listens to everybody, and then he takes what he wants, and he's his own man. And I think that has worked well for him in his life, and that's the type of president that I think he's going to be. But I hope I'm, I'm, I'm getting some feedback about some people that may be surrounding him that is making me very, very nervous. And I just saw there seemed to be a movement on this issue. The kids and Mike Pence are going to be running their transition team now. That, I think, is the smartest thing to do because I don't think anybody's going to have Trump's interest like his own kids. And, and Mike Pence has proven himself to be a rock star and loyal and strong and supportive. He's a strong Christian conservative. He's got great values, great instincts. I think he's going to be an enormous help to the president-elect when, uh, when he finally takes office. But, you know, Bob Corker for secretary of state. Did you hear that rumor today? Oh, my God. Please, no. God, tell me no. Uh, did you hear that rumor, too? I heard that rumor. Yeah, today. we're hearing lots of rumors and we're all getting sick. So I would urge that, you know, if I was to set up a criteria or a set of standards, you know, I would say that, you know, he's got to get the people he can trust, the people that share his values, the people that when times get tough, you know, aren't going to go running for the hills and be thinking, how does this impact me? He's got to get people that believe in his agenda, that support his Supreme Court nominees, support his refugee policy, his immigration policy, his health care repeal of Obamacare, health savings accounts, that support his tax cuts, that support repatriation of trillions, uh, that support the energy independence agenda, education back to the state's agenda. That's what he needs. And people that believe, you know, fixing the broken VA system. You know, right now there are so many hangers on and the people that want to get in the administration, they want jobs. My question to them is, why don't you have a job now? What are you doing now that you want to race into government? You can throw your life into upheaval. I can tell you if I was ever asked to be in government, at any point in my life, I'd be like, huh, I got I got work I got to do here. I, I've got a career I'm building here. And it'd be a big sacrifice for any good person to go and to serve. And I think the thing that has been missing is there's not a lot of people that recognize government work is is public service work and that you work for the public and your job is to serve them. Just like a congressman's job is to be a public servant. You know, but all these hangers on that are throwing in their resumes and looking to jump on the Trump train, they're going to be the first off the train as soon as something controversial happens. And they'll be the first people to leak to the New York Times and the Wall Street Journal and the Washington Post. And in that sense, it, I think, you know, none, he doesn't need sycophants around him that are going to tell him how great he is. He needs people that will stand up to him and say, let me tell you why I think you're wrong. Let me tell you why I think this is a better idea. Do what you want. Your decision, you won. But this, I think, is a better policy for the American people. And here are my reasons why. It was this, at this point in what he's doing, it's a very, this is a critical point, forming the government. And if he doesn't hire the right people, that's going to be a big problem. Because if he's hiring people that have their own agendas, if he's hiring people that don't believe in his, if he's hiring people that leak, if he's hiring people that are not loyal, 
if he's hiring people that can't stand the heat of a very aggressive agenda that he seems to want to advance. And I think that becomes problematic. By the way, not that anybody listens to me. I think I'm giving good advice here and offering wise counsel here. Um, so I, uh, and I don't know who these people are. But for all of you, um, this day, yesterday, the day after the election could have been very different. And so that's why I don't have the feelings that Linda has. Linda wants me to just stick it in people's faces. I, I don't have it. I feel like we took our country back or gave ourselves an opportunity to put our country on the ba- right track. You know, I feel like adults actually will begin to run the place again, hopefully. You know, I, I'm, I'm relieved that we're not going to have a Supreme Court gone but, for but can generations. We, can we talk about one thing? What? Can we talk about the photo of Obama's administration as Trump and Melania came to the White House yesterday, that's all over social media. The faces of Josh Ernest and Valerie Jarrett and Jen Psaki as the president-elect Trump and his wife walked around the White House of complete sadness. I'm just happy that Obama's so-called legacy is going to be dismantled expeditiously. All the oh, executive man, orders the gone. High road. All the executive orders gone. Obamacare's done. You know, hopefully we won't have a president running around the world apologizing for America. You know, hopefully we'll restore our place as the leader of the free world. You know, I feel that um, the, the fact that we survived eight years of Obama shows how strong we are. But cleaning up his mess is going to be a difficult task. And I there's a sober reality that I'm facing that I don't know if you're facing yet. And I'm always on to the next thing. All right, we won now. Let's go to the next round. And the next round is picking the right people. And I know that there's going to be, oh, you know, you really got to you really got to go to the center now. You really got to become half a liberal. I'm like, great. You do that. And you're going to ruin what you just built. One thing I wanted to say. So everyone sees me on TV with these Donald Trump pens. This one here. It goes like this. I will be the greatest president that God ever created. Now, I ordered I think I ordered a thousand of them. And everybody's asking me for I mean, everybody. And they finally arrived. Look, I'm really rich. All right, and you I push Donald Trump's great, head. Great wall on our southern border, and I will have Mexico pay for that wall. Hang on. I don't wear a toupee. Hang on. I love China. I just sold an apartment for $15 million to somebody from China. China. Our uh, leaders are stupid. Our politicians are stupid. That's true. We will have so much winning if I get elected that you may get bored with winning. I think I am a nice person. People that know me like me. I will be. All right, we're back to the. Anyway, so I everyone wanted one. And so I'm doing the, I'm doing the TV show. One day I'm playing it on the air, goofing around like I usually am. And so everyone starts writing me, all my friends. And everybody else that works for me. They're, they're, the phones are blowing up. Everybody wants a Donald Trump for President Penn. So I ordered a thousand of them. Now, what's the name of the guy in the company, by the way? It's uh, Green Straw Rights Reserved. Um, I know somebody on my TV staff was the one that reached out to him. Kristen did. And so I, so I got a thousand of them. So we have set up on my website, Hannity.com. I guess if you sign up for the newsletter, which is free, there's no absolutely no charge at all. Um, and we sent out our chapters of our book in the lead up to the election, what the election was all about. That was free. I'm not selling anything on the website. I'm not looking to sell anything on the website. I can't stand the people that are selling, 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 selling constantly. 
you know, it's just not my style. I've never liked it. I've written three books. I'm not writing any more books. You know, there's only like one, like two people whose books I want to read. Levin, because they're worthwhile. And that's about it. You know, all these people who know the great part, the NRO guys hate me. Every time they'd write a book, I try and be nice and put them on. And, and they're usually okay. But, I mean, I guess they're not going to be begging us to come on the show anymore, right? To sell their books. I guess they'll find another show to do. Some other place to go sell their books. I guess they'll sell it on their own website, considering they're so strong and popular and and their views are so appealing and they're able to really move public opinion as strongly as they can. So I'm sure they'll just they'll have no problem selling those books now moving forward. But anyway, I'm I'm I bought them. I paid for them. I heard the guy gave me a really good deal and um, I'm thankful for that. And uh, I did not negotiate. It was my somebody on my staff said, well, what if he buys five hundred? Okay, you know what? He wants a thousand. He just told me. So I want to give it to you, maybe a little bit of a memento. It's got uh, a Donald Trump face on it, and I don't know. I just everyone wanted one. I had it on the air. Doug Schoen was the one that gave it to me, of all people. And I thought you might like one or a chance to get one. You can go to Hannity.com and sign up. I am out of the business. I don't want to sell hats. Do we sell hats and T-shirts? my no, we sell nothing, right? Absolutely nothing. And you know, I just. Anything that I have to say, I say it on the air. I don't need to put it in writing. And most of what we say on the air is actually transcribed and put on the website for free. And all these people that come to us, you've got this great idea, Hannity T-shirt. It was like the Let Not Your Heart Be Troubled Twitter Army Brigade shirts. I gave those away. I didn't sell them. I gave them away. I'm giving away these pens because so many people were asking me for them, and I thought you might want them. So anyway, and it's a way to say thank you to all of you out there. Hey, by the way, if you want your house to look great this fall, go to blinds.com. And you want your house to look good for the holidays. You got Thanksgiving, Christmas coming up. We transformed every room in my house. They have a 100% satisfaction guarantee. Even if you pick the wrong color, they'll remake your blinds for free. Free samples, free expert advice, free shipping. You get custom-made blinds, made to order. You don't pay custom prices. A third off of what you'd normally pay in a store and now through November 21st, you go to blinds.com, use the promo code Hannity. You buy three blinds, you get the fourth one free. Buy three, get one free. Blinds.com on top of their already low prices. Now, uh, oh, Chelsea Clinton might run for Congress. I don't care. Uh, Trump, oh, this was pretty cool. This is a little different. Uh, we're used to seeing headlines about President Obama hosting, you know, Black Lives Matter. Our president saying the police acted stupidly. You know, I would look like Trayvon. That could have been me. 25 years ago, you know, speaking out early in the Michael Brown case and the Freddie Gray case and rushing to judgment. Anyway, President-elect Donald Trump called the slain NYPD sergeant's widow Thursday morning, extended his condolences, and uh, that was the day thousands of police officers paid tribute to their fallen finest. And he said, I'm very, very sorry I can't be there with you today. My thoughts and prayers are with you and your family during this very, very difficult time. He said, I want to express my condolences from me and my family. There's a little change that you can believe in. There is part of this Trump madness syndrome. We've got to come up with a name for this, Trump derangement syndrome. I guess we called it Bush derangement. We now have emerged Trump derangement syndrome. You have the CEO of Grubhub. It's an online food delivery service. He sent a company-wide email Wednesday 
suggesting that employees who agree with President-elect Donald Trump's campaign rhetoric should resign. If you do not agree with this statement, then please reply to this email with your resignation, because you have no place here, said the the co-founder of Grubhub, Matt Maloney. We do not tolerate hateful attitudes on our team. Anyway, a big Clinton supporter sent the email, subject line, so that happened, what's next? He made clear in the email statement that he is personally stunned and deeply concerned with the results of Tuesday's election. What, what do these people think is going to happen? What is it that they fear? You know, why do these children in school need psychological counseling? Why are notes being sent to parents that if you are having trouble dealing with your child, we're going to show a lot of this video tonight on Hannity. Don't you, haven't you captured some of the insanity, Jason? Let's play it. To be a joke, I cannot believe this is happening. I'm literally about to kill myself, and I'm not kidding. You better fix this right now. I literally am gonna die. I need an ambulance. Okay, so probably like most people that are gonna Miley see, Cyrus well, here. Maybe not, because given the result, maybe I really am different, and maybe a lot of people that I'm surrounded by think with open minds and open hearts like I do. And I do want to say that I've been very vocal for my support for everyone besides Donald Trump. Heavily supported Bernie, heavily supported Hillary. And I still think that in her lifetime, she deserves to be the first female president. And that's what makes me so sad. Is that I just wish that she had that opportunity because she's fought for so long and because I believe her when she says that she loves this country. This is all she's ever done. She's given her life to make it better. But like Donald Trump so ironically played after his speech, it said you can't always get what you want. And happy hippies, we adjust and we accept everyone who they are. And so Donald Trump, I accept you. And this hurts to say, but I even accept Right. You as the president. Uh, do we have more after this? You got more. Okay, keep playing it. Let's see. Maybe I can offer psychological counseling next week. Dr. Hannity can make a return appearance on the show, and I will offer only Hillary supporters that are suffering some psychological counseling. And if you find any, Lauren, calling in today, put them up first. It's Hillary hysteria, Trump derangement syndrome. You know, they're suffering so terribly at the results of the election. How did we become such a bunch of wimps? Our children, we, I know your children are so frightened. I watched one image of a girl saying, I, Donald Trump's president. <laughs> and one guy ran out in the middle of the street and was saying, hit me, hit me, kill me, kill me now, kill me. He got out of his car. And they videotaped him saying this. Trump won. I, kill, kill me. You think maybe these people are a little bit unbalanced ahead of time? Maybe you really think Donald Trump did this to them? or Maybe they were teetering on the edge to begin with. But I will offer my advice to anyone that's suffering. We'll do that next week. Uh, Tom in California. How, how are you, Tom? Glad you called. Great, Sean. Thank you. What's going Quickly, on? 51-year-old high school football teacher and coach. I've been having my head in the sand for years. Grew up in a middle-class family in the Navy. Life was good. Only voted once for Reagan because my dad made me do it. I have many friends like me. 
you have woken us up. And I want to tell you I appreciate all of the hard work you've done, the way you've laid out your case. Um, it has motivated all of us voters that haven't voted since the early 80s because life has been pretty good. But you've woken us up. Um, there's so many things that I want to tell you. I just keep saying thank you, thank you for all your hard work. Um, originally from the East Coast, all my family's from East Coast. There's only one type of temperament that, a, that a could have pulled off what Trump pulled off, and that is an East Coast, New York, New Jersey temperament. And I just want to thank you, and I want to thank you know Rudy and Newt and every, Laura and everybody on your on your team that has woken up people like me. And I think that's the reason why the votes. Uh, weren't seen prior, but on the night of it, all of us came out that you woke up. And I just want you to keep doing your hard work, keep staying positive, and, and I just appreciate everything you've done, Sean. Listen, I, I just want the country to be better off and, and get on a better trajectory. It's not really complicated what I'm looking for. Harry Reid is losing his mind, too. Trump's election has emboldened the forces of hate and the forces of bigotry. Oh, just like the basket of deplorables. Now he feels free. Cher said, if Trump wins, I'm going to have to leave the planet. I can't help her. I, do, I can't charter a plane that's going to take her to outer space. She'll have to find her own way out there. If she wants to go to another country, I'll pay her way, and we'll send her out in comfort, but she has to promise never to come back. And if she does, she'll have to pay me four times what it is to bring her back. Uh, 1.4 million Obama amnesty applicants on the deportation hit list. Illegals who followed Obama's request to sign up for two amnesty programs, they could be among the first, by the way, to face deportation. That's not good. Uh, let's go to, is it CAF? Twin Falls, Idaho. How are you? CAF, how are you? Welcome to the program. I'm doing good, sir. Hey, big fan here, 24-year-old from Idaho. I listen to you every day. Um, driving out across this beautiful country, driving out to Minnesota as we speak, actually. Um, I basically called, you know, we're a big conservative state out here in Idaho, I'm sure you know. But um, I have never seen the day after the election happened, I went into, I'm a farmer and I'm a construction worker, and I have never seen people of all ages, all sizes, been so excited. Just the look in their eye the next morning after the president-elect Trump was uh, given the position. And, um, you know, it's kind of weird. I'm out here in Boise, you know, there were even had riots in Boise or protests or whatever you want to call it. I just can't understand it. You know, I think a lot of it is, especially kids my age, is that I just don't think they understand the whole what's behind the scenes of politics. And it kind of upsets me a little bit. But, you know, it's just I'm, I don't understand what people are protesting for, especially when I think they knew, you know, what was at stake. Um, they wouldn't be protesting because I think this country is going in the right direction now. So, you know, huge fan. Love your work. And there is guys out here my age and my generation that do love. You love your work and are conservative, so. <laughs> well, I appreciate it. Listen, um, the world is not going to dramatically change, as you know it, but we are at least we can put in places, as I say, put the rungs back in the ladder so people can start climbing to success again, because that's what's missing. Uh, let's go to Al in Miami, Florida. Al, how are you? We're glad you called. Thank you, Sean. You're a great American. I wanted to call in first to, to thank you for the education you've done, specifically over the last decade. Uh, with the Obama administration. For the longest time, uh, I've been thinking that Obama is probably, from, a, from an implementation of policy, perhaps one of the most effective presidents we've ever had. Uh, he truly implemented everything he wants. 
in the last couple of days, I've been thinking that um, maybe now, looking back, we may have been better off not electing uh, Mr. Romney uh, because we truly, I believe, have elected the correct man with the correct skill sets for this time. Um, Mr. Mr. President-elect um, Trump, I believe uh, the way he broke through the primary process, the way he broke through the election, there's no doubt in anybody's mind now that he was the only man capable of doing this for his first skill set, which is his character. He's indomitable, but I believe everybody knows in his soul, in his heart of hearts, he's a good man. And secondly, he's probably the most qualified executive officer we've ever elected into this country. This man will cut through the, the conglomerate, the, the bureaucracy that is our government, like a hot knife through butter. So in retrospect, I think we've done the right thing, and I think you've done a great job in educating America. As a Cuban-American, that my family was exiled in 1960, running from communism. I think our our, our community here understands this clearly. Well, I appreciate it. I really do. Thank you. That. As Newt Gingrich said, the never-Trumpers are whiny, sniveling, negative cowards. You know, look, it's it's not easy to embrace a bold agenda. It's not easy to run for president or to take a strong stand I mean, even some of my fellow, you know, commentators were too chicken to really express what they want. And it's just, I, I'm just happy that we have a shot. The whole world is watching. 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 Black lives matter. They hear the madness. More of it. Glad you're with us. Hour two on this Friday. What has been a historic week. 800-941-SEAN is our toll-free telephone number if you want to be a part of this extravaganza. Paul Ryan yesterday was out sounding very conciliatory. And uh, here's Paul Ryan and what he had to say. Some of your colleagues were critical of you thinking you had not embraced Donald Trump enough during the campaign. Is your relationship with the president-elect? Yes, it is. I think our relationship's fine. I've spoken with Donald twice in the last 18 hours. We spoke last night. We spoke again this morning. Uh, I spoke with my good friend Mike Pence uh, twice as well. Uh, I think we are going to hit the ground running. We're already talking about getting our transitions working together. We're very excited. Look, Kelly, when I say 7 out of 10 Americans don't like the direction the country's going, 
They just voted. I think what Donald Trump just pulled off is an enormous political feat. It's an enormous feat in that he heard those voices that were out there that other people weren't hearing, and he just earned a mandate. And we now just have that unified Republican government. If you listen to us in the closing days of this campaign, whether it was crisscrossing America or crisscrossing Wisconsin, we were making an appeal to our fellow citizens and to all Republicans to come home and to unify. And we did just that. And that's why I'm excited about where we are. All right. That was Paul Ryan. And joining us now, he is the head of the Freedom Caucus. These are the people that I think have been true to their conservative values. They have been willing to buck the system. They've been willing to fight for the things that they promise and stand on principle and not, not on their own, you know, political ambition. Jim Jordan is the head of the Freedom Caucus. How are you, sir? I'm doing fine, Sean. All right. And it is a great day, isn't it? Veterans Day with Donald Trump as the next president. I mean, it's, it's a great day to be an American. What did you think of what Ryan said yesterday, and especially in light of, really, Paul Ryan was very cold at best and and critical of Donald Trump. He seemed to say that, well, I get it now, and Trump got it before the rest of yeah. us. What did you take? No, I think it, I think that's positive. And look, the, the 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 protest and the things we've heard out there, the best way we can bring the country together is to do what the people sent us there to do. That's why we formed the Freedom Caucus two years ago. That was the message Donald Trump had. The best way we can bring this country together is go repeal Obamacare, change the tax code, secure the border, do the things the voters have been asking us to do, telling us to do for years now. And finally, it, it, it was manifest in this candidate and this campaign in this election this week. Our job is real simple. Do what we were elected to do. We make it way too complicated. Let's just go do our job. And when we do that, that will help heal the country. That will help put the country where it needs to be. That'll grow our economy. That, that's our charge. Let's go do it. Now we have a chance. And I think, I think that's what we have to focus on, plain and simple. Well, I agree. And my advice, not that anybody ever listens to Sean Hannity, but my advice is very simple. Do what you said you're going to do. Yes, yes. Appoint originalist justices. You know, cut back on refugees with extreme vetting. You can just set up your safe zone, which he talked about. That's fine. Um, Build the wall. You know, cut the taxes. Allow the repatriated money in. Give us the lowest corporate tax rate. It'll take about two and a half years to get the economy moving, but let's get it done. Make us energy independent. Give education back to the states. And this country will be infinitely better off. It'll take off. I mean, that's the... Oh, that's and get the rid of Obamacare. Of, yeah, of course, that's that to be front and center and first thing. And this country will take off just like it did in the early 80s when Ronald Reagan came in and shook things up. Our charge is, it's not about, it's not about the Freedom Caucus, it's not about the Republican Party, it's not about Paul Ryan, it's not about Donald Trump, it's about the American people. The 60% of the country who thinks their kids aren't going to be better off than they are now, now suddenly they think there's hope. And they think there's a chance now the American dream is going to be restored. Our job is to just go do it. Don't put our heads down, hit the line, make it happen. That is our job. And I'm excited about that. Are you, and, and, are you confident? Because, listen, I'll be honest, but for the Freedom Caucus and guys like Louis Gohmert and Steve King, I don't know why they're not a part of your caucus. Did you keep them out or what? <laughs> they, they, they vote with us all the time. They, they, they sure do. Well, what, why don't you invite them into the group? We will do that. We may have to do that. What do you mean you may have to do that? You'd be lucky well, to have those guys. Call. It's not my call. The, the group's got to vote on it. That's the way it works. It's just a, a system that we Well, has the group voted on allowing Hannity into the Freedom Caucus yet? 
Uh, we haven't, but we've, we've because you're only an honorary member. You're not an official member because you're not a member of Congress. But Thank we, God. We make you an honorary. I did that. I think we did that a few few interviews back on your show. Yeah. Okay. All right. So here's what I if he does those things. Here's my question. What about the Republicans that wouldn't fight the Obama agenda? What about the Republicans that wouldn't use their power of the purse? What about the Republicans that only wanted symbolic repeal Obamacare votes, not real votes? What about the Republicans that... I think. I well, think hang on, I'm not done yet. That allowed $5 trillion in debt when Boehner was speaker, to, nearly $5 trillion in debt to get passed without fighting back. What about the Republicans that said... Executive amnesty was illegal and unconstitutional, but that ended up funding it. I know they took it to the court. What about those guys? Why should I have faith in those guys? Because there was a mandate on, on Tuesday. This was something that no one predicted. And I give you a lot of credit, Sean, for the work you've done and help, help, help American people understand and, and, and help this thing happen. But there was something that happened Tuesday that very few predicted, very few saw. And now I think members are like, you know what? Let's go do. It. We got a chance. There's no excuse now to. There's no excuse now to go get Democrat votes. Let's get Republican votes to get the right things done in the House. Let's get the Republican votes. There's no excuse not to get done what we were sent there to do. What the people of this country gave us the privilege to serve in Congress. We now know our charge. We now know our mission. Let's go do it. And I think people will get that. And I think we're going to get a lot of good things done. For the American people. Have you talked to Speaker Ryan? I've not talked to, to Paul. I've talked to a number of my colleagues. I've been on the phone for, seems like, three days straight. Uh, but I've not talked to, to, to Paul yet, but I've talked to some of the other members of leadership. Are you confident and, and that, talk. will there be a challenge to Speaker Ryan? I don't anticipate that. I mean, uh, I don't think so. I don't know. And, you know, look, we're, we're, we got a meeting with our group on, on Sunday night. Uh, we have a, another meeting on Monday night, and then the, the vote is scheduled for Tuesday. So I don't know. We'll we'll talk amongst our group, but I don't necessarily anticipate that. But um, I thought they had a, a meeting yesterday, uh, President-elect Trump and Speaker Ryan had a meeting yesterday. It sounds like that went well. So um, the, the, the important thing is, again, forget the personality. It's about the country. Forget about what one group may want or one person may want. That is not the issue here. The issue is... Let's get the country back on track. We know what our mission is. Let's go do it. All right. Uh, Jim Jordan is the congressman from Ohio. Well, how much did you win your district by? 68%. Unbelievable. Was that your biggest margin? In a presidential year. I mean, because, you know, it's a little different in a presidential. Four years ago, we were, now again, I, 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 we, we, we didn't really spend any money in our, in our campaign. So to get 68% and not really spend anything, we did no radio, no TV, and, and no direct mail. But uh, it was we, we appreciate the privilege the voters have given us to serve again, and it was unbelievable to turn out. Over 300-some thousand people voted in our, in our district. So uh, amazing turnout and amazing numbers across our district. Would, would anyone have predicted Donald Trump was going to win Ohio by 8.5%? Unbelievable. Um. Unbelievable. I th- it, it, well, I, I thought he'd win Ohio. I wasn't really worried about Ohio, in spite of John Kasich, which I was very disappointed in. I mean, all he had to yeah. do is say, I support the nominee like I promised and pledged, and that was it. Yeah. And why do yeah. I believe that if the Democratic convention was in Ohio, that he probably would have welcomed the Democrats <laughs> and Hillary Clinton? Well, I don't know that. What I do know is I thought he was going to win Ohio, too. Uh, I think we we talked about this this phenomenon where union workers were showing up at Republican events. This un, one union worker walked up to me. I think we talked about this on your show before, Sean. And he came up to me after we opened our party headquarters, and he said, "I'm a union pipe fitter, and I'm voting for Donald Trump, and I don't care what my leadership says. They ain't talking me out of it." 
he saw this that that there was there was this movement out there that people needed to stand up and fight for um, that there needed to be people fight for the things regular families care about and he was willing to show up at a Republican headquarter kickoff. That's the kind of thing I saw. So I I felt confident in Ohio, but I didn't predict eight and a half percent. I'll tell you that. Yeah. All right. Listen. Uh, appreciate it, Congressman uh, Jim Jordan, Freedom Caucus. Listen, I count on you more than I do the other members of Congress to stand on your principles, stand on this agenda, and I really, truly, and and honestly believe we can help change the precipitous decline we now find ourselves in, the downward spiral, and hopefully begin to dig ourselves out of the hole we're in, the mess we're in. So, anyway, and you know what we got to do? We got to get the people in Ohio working, Pennsylvania, Wisconsin, Michigan. You know what? They've given Donald Trump four years. That's it. And he needs to get factories built he needs the money that is repatriated the trillions coming back they're investing in the neighborhoods that need it the most creating jobs doing yep. manufacturing getting this country moving energy is a big part of that a big component energy independence sean one other thing we got to focus on we have to reform our welfare system and incentivize work and have work requirements we, we, this this idea that you can be an able-bodied adult and live off hard-working Americans' tax dollars and not have to do anything for it, that is ridiculous. Th- that has to change. It. And I think that is one of these center issues we have, to, we have to take on and say the welfare system that we reformed 20 years ago but under Obama has went back to its old ways, that has to change. And we have to incentivize work which treats taxpayers with respect they deserve. But more importantly, it's going to help families who've been stuck in that system. That has to happen. Yeah. All right. Thank you so much, Congressman Jim yeah. Jordan. 800-941-SEAN, our toll-free telephone number. Sandra is in Indianapolis, Indiana, next on the Sean Hannity Show. How are you, Sandra? We're glad you called. Oh, thanks, Sean. I love you so much. Um, I just called to tell you that my granddaughter goes to school, and they had a, a vote, and she voted for Donald Trump, and she's half black and half white, and she looks more white, and they've been calling her a racist. And it's just so saddening to me that little children would say that. Well, I can't believe, so the, your granddaughter is half black, and yeah. she was called the racist because she supports Donald Trump. Exactly. You know, that, you, know, you know how sad that is? You know, I thought schools were supposed to be a bastion of freedom of speech and the, the free and open exchange of ideas and ideals and opinions. You know, is it not a fair question to, to raise, are illegal immigrants competing with 95 million Americans out of the labor force for the limited jobs that are available, and are they driving down wages? Is that a fair question? Can we debate that in a school classroom today? Can we debate whether or not uh, if somebody comes from a country that, and a culture where they grow up saying to women, telling them how to dress, and they can't drive a car, and persecuting and killing gays and lesbians and persecuting Christians and Jews— Is it not prudent to say, are you coming because you want to adopt our values or proselytize us with your values? You know, is that really a racist thing? There is so much hysteria on the left today. They bought their own false caricature of what a conservative means. You know, say this to your granddaughter for me. Have Have her pull up on the Internet Donald Trump's new New Deal for black America, for African Americans. And have her bring that to class and then bring out also the statistics, the number of black Americans killed in the last eight years in Chicago and the 3,000 plus shot this year in Chicago. 
the vast majority, nearly 80 percent African-American, and then say, well, what did Obama do in eight years to prevent the killing, to make this, the neighborhood safer? Has he made our educational system better? Has he created jobs or have more people ended up in poverty and on food stamps? And you know what? Maybe she can actually grow and, and learn to stand by her beliefs with facts and, and figures, okay? Oh, she does. Thanks to you, Sean. All right. God bless you. Thank you for being with us. Will Donald Trump be our next president? If that mother becomes president, I move my black to South Africa. Trump rent win, I'm moving to Africa. You move to Put Africa? Full yeah, screen up right now. <laughs> okay. If he want to build a wall to keep Mexicans out, I know what he feel about it. If any Republican gets nominated, I'm going to move to Canada with my entire family. have my ticket. Really? No, no I, I literally bought my ticket, You're I swear. You're a citizen, you know, of Canada. It's okay, I'll make it. I'll make it. I'll okay. figure that out. If Donald Trump is the uh, nominee, I'm open to support anyone while I'm also reserving my, uh, res my uh, ticket to get out of here if he wins. Only because he probably had me deported anyway. I know everyone's always idly threatening this, but I'm 100% moving to Canada. I love Canada. I think that it's a great place, and there's an area in Vancouver that I find beautiful and appealing, and I can conduct business from there. Brian, if he does win, do you fancy an extended vacation to Vancouver? It wouldn't be a vacation. I would, I, I'd be an expatriate. Uh, Come and join absolutely. me. Uh, I, would, I would definitely move. Ladies and gentlemen, this is your captain speaking. Welcome aboard Trump Flight 1600 with nonstop service to Canada. We'd like to welcome all our celebrity defectors, and uh, we'll get you out of America just as soon as the tower clears us for takeoff. Once we reach our cruising altitude, flight attendants will pass through the cabin, collecting your U.S. citizenship renouncement forms and serving complimentary beverages and disposable crying towels. And once we reach the drop zone, you'll be guided to the exit ramp at the rear of the plane, where you'll take a crash course on parachute folding and be jettisoned shortly thereafter. We'd like to thank you for choosing Trump Airlines and hope you have a soft landing. Bye-bye. People have talked about a miracle. Uh, I'm hearing about a nightmare. This was a white lash. This was a white lash against a changing country. It was a white lash against a black president in part. And that's the part where the pain comes. Uh, this network devoted years of programming and promotional support to a reality show that was mold-breaking for the time and contributed largely to making this uh, New York developer, uh, uh, builder, yeah. licensor, landlord, investor, um, a successful guy into a global celebrity and brand. A brand That's true. who sells brand name licensed products with his name on it. I think some of this cultural anger we should correctly identify as being racial animus and that it's significant that Trump is that Trump has closed so much of a gap and done so well with white voters. The extent to which Donald Trump has won running a campaign of racism and bigotry, turning out millions of white Americans for that campaign, suggests that we are living through a kind of second redemption. Our country is about to face some serious crises. And so, I mean, buckle up, your country needs you. Well, America is crying tonight. I'm not sure how much of America, but a very, very significant portion. And I mean literally crying. Yes. This is a sadness. It is a, a mourning moment for, for those people. Uh, and it is, it is a moment filled with fear, fear. filled with fear.
Tim Kaine has a son in the Marine Corps. He was asked by John Dickerson, so if Donald Trump is democratically elected and your son is serving as a Marine, you wouldn't trust his life under that commander-in-chief? And Kaine said, I wouldn't. That's a pretty extraordinary thing to say uh, if you have a son in the Marine Corps and that you don't trust the commander-in-chief. The people in the military defend the Constitution. And we've talked about excitement among women to have a woman president, but uh, there's, there's always in these situations at least equal amounts of hostility to that kind of change. And the fact that, we've, you know, that we're seeing this, uh, uh, particularly among non-college educated white men, is not surprising. And I think some of it has to be attributed to the fact that, that Trump is running against a woman. Do the brains that got this guy elected president tonight apply to being a good president? I leave it as an open question. I hope there's some connection. Otherwise, we have a dingbat as president. We have a guy <laughs> with no ability to be president. It's hopeless with terrible values and incompetence galore. And we're just into doomsday right now. I'm just not ready to accept that, uh, that sort of notion right now in my head. I have to think there's got to be a pony in this crap pile. <laughs> I think, uh, there has to be a pony in there somewhere. <laughs> he did all of the dog whistles. This is not Bernie Sanders populism. This is George Wallace populism that he's doing. All do that now? many of us have fought for all our life is at stake, and we're not going down without a fight. Donald need to know that. I, that's like my favorite new bit that we put together, and it's a lot of fun. The hysteria, the madness, the insanity that is emerging. Oh, my, the, the world as we know it is blowing up. It's done. It's finished. Our country is over. What is Trump saying he's going to do? Okay, he's going to lower taxes. No, that real, that's going to hurt a lot of... He's going to allow rich, multinational corporations a much lower tax rate to incentivize them to spend their money in states where jobs are desperately needed and repatriate that money and get trillions of dollars in, in tax revenue by bringing it back, or at least billions and billions, because when they bring it back, even if it's a 10%, 10% of uh, trillions is what? It's a lot of money. I'm not doing the math here. I don't have my calculator brain on because of no sleep all week. But, you know, oh, he's going to make America energy independent, the lifeblood of our economy. He's he's going to he's 50 percent of the American people won't pay anything in taxes. Nothing. Is it really bad that we're going to try and fix a busted educational system? Is it really bad that we're going to control our borders? Everybody needs to, on the left, just calm down. And the never-Trumpers are now ah, hoping for failure for Donald Trump. Um, I like what Pat Buchanan said. Exploit your win. This is an opportunity to fix the country. And I hope that Donald Trump's nature, which is he's naturally a bold, courageous no holds barred, roll up your sleeves kind of guy to get things done. I hope he takes the next year to actually put in place the pieces of the puzzle that can result in a transformation of the country. Because if he doesn't get it done, then we're going to be in trouble. All right, let's get to our phones as we promised here. Uh, we'll start with Bob in Florida. Bob, what a week it's been. How are you? And, and thanks to everybody in the great swing state of Florida. What's going on? Great. Hey, Sean. First of all, Colonel Bob, retired military guy. And, uh, I'm going to make you an honorary veteran for today. So happy Veterans Day because you have been a general in the war to save America. And I want to tell you how many guys that I know in the military are just so thankful to the work, the tireless efforts you took in the last, in the last L- month. L- listen, hey, whatever barbs and shots and whatever I've been through is nothing compared to just one day in combat. I, I will take it with humility, your compliment. But in all honesty, uh, I am just 
You know, everyone's saying, oh, you must feel great. You must feel vindicated. You must feel, you know what I feel more than anything? I feel a sense of relief. And in the back of my mind, I'm just hopeful that we can we can fix the country for the people that need it. And that includes our vets. That includes the military. That includes everything that Trump talked about on the campaign trail. Absolutely. And uh, the purpose of my call today is I know there's been a lot of talk on the talk shows about we should drop the situation with Hillary and that, and that Obama may pardon Hillary. But he, here's my point. I, I think the administration, and ought to make clear, the Trump administration, that irrespective of whether she is pardoned or likely to pardon, we're going to demand a full accountability of her high crimes and misdemeanors because the American people deserve to know exactly what she was totally up to. And, and as a military guy, I can tell you, There's no way to get stuff from a classified system to an unclassified system without trying really hard. And that is is intent on its face matter. And when it comes to giving away 20 percent of our uranium with Uranium One deal with the Clinton Foundation, we need to get to the bottom of it either way, whether she's pardoned or not. Well, I can tell you that we know she broke laws. We know she mishandled classified material. No, we know she deleted and there was an obstruction issue involved here. We know that you're not allowed to destroy devices with classified material on it. We know that there was a cover up with bleach bit. Now, here's, you know, I've heard people make this argument, oh, he needs to let it go and just move on and focus on everything else. And I understand what they're saying. The problem with that argument is this, is that that means we are admitting and acknowledging and giving into a notion where there's a dual justice system, one for Christian Saucier who's now in jail for a year for taking six pictures on a submarine when he was allowed to have a cell phone on a submarine, and one for Hillary Clinton. And if you set that precedent, what you're really saying is we don't have a rule of law. And if we don't have a rule of law, we will suffer the consequences of that in ways that we can't even begin to anticipate. So that's very dangerous from my point. Now, it would be easier, I guess, all right, get Hillary off the table. Let Obama deal with that. And if Obama wants to pardon Hillary for crimes she may have committed, just like Gerald Ford used that exact language. Remember, I, look, I know there's different legal interpretations here. Rudy agrees with me. We debated it last night. And that is, I, I believe the power of the pardon is absolute. And that means for crimes she may have committed, because that was the language that Gerald Ford used with Richard Nixon. Let this be their headache. Let Obama deal with it. But if Rudy Giuliani, for example, is the attorney general and he doesn't pursue it, that means we're, we're giving in to the notion that we have a dual justice system. We don't have equal justice under the law. And, and that's a problem. And, and, and the situation with Nixon, if you look back on Nixon, and for those of us who are old enough to remember that situation, uh, there was already a full accountability of what Nixon had done with the Washington Post and the relentless investigation that we had by the media back then. But the media has done nothing other than cover up this whole mess. So the media didn't do their job. The media has fallen down on the job. So it's going to be up to the Trump administration to bring all these high crimes and misdemeanors to light. And and tell you what, especially with the Clinton Foundation, if it's if it's ascertained that that uh, for pay to play she made three hundred some million dollars, that money there's tax implications, there's crimes there. The deal might need to be undone with the twenty percent of the uranium that was sold to Russia. Yeah. All right. Listen, sir, first of all, thank you for what you've done for your country. And on this Veterans Day, I want to thank you all for uh, all your service. Um, Sometimes maybe we take for granted the freedoms we have every day. It's because so many fought, bled, died for the freedoms we take for granted. God bless all of you today. I remember I used to ask my father about his time that he served in World War Two and and, you know, obviously on a ship where he said he was seasick probably every day. 
and the four years he spent in the Pacific, and I, it just blew me away. I have one thing that my father left me when he died. One, his Navy knife. That's the only moment, that's all I wanted. When I was a kid, I was constantly, Dad, let me see the knife. Dad, let me see the knife. Dad, let me see the knife. And he always, you know, he was placate his little dopey, violent child, and well, I wasn't violent. Well, maybe with a propensity for knives. They always say the same thing, don't cut yourself. And he'd watch me, and then he'd put take it back, and he'd put it in the high draw, and, you know, thinking he was hiding it from me. And then he, when he wasn't there, I'd pull it out and look at it again anyway. Anyway, but uh, thanks to all of you. It's your day. We honor you. We thank you more than anything with great appreciation. Lola next, Oklahoma. Lola, hi. How are you? Glad you called. Hi, John. Hey, I wanted to make a comment about all of these protesters out there that are throwing a big hissy fit and acting like toddlers. I feel like that this is a product of what happens when mothers don't raise their children. Regardless of whether you stay home or you're a stay-at-home mom or a working mom or what, I feel like our kids are put off on the government to be raised nowadays. We throw them into these government daycares where the, the moms are on government assistance and the state's paying for their daycare. And then they go into public education and then the public schools, you know, they're paid, uh, you know, barely minimum wage. They don't care how our kids turn out. And we're raising this nation of these just spoiled brats that have no morals and no values. And I understand that, you know, a lot of these women are probably single moms. There's a lot of them out there, and I get that. It's hard. I've been a single mom with the added burden of a special needs child, and I make it work. You know, I understand that you, as a parent, I need to be home with my kids. I need to be working with them and teaching them, you know, morals and values. And I feel like all of these kids, these millennials out there, they don't have that. Everybody got everything they wanted just, just We've turned all of our kids into this instant gratification society. I I, got to be honest. What I've been watching and hearing in schools around the country, and I read that that article yesterday, the the note that was sent out to parents. If you need any counseling or you need any help, please, we're here for you. And your children are just suffering so badly over this. I can't handle it. You know, get over yourselves. You know, calm down. I sucked it up with Obama for eight years. And you know what? Things are actually, we now have a chance to get things better. And I'm going to tell you, you watch. The war's begun already. The left is not going away. They are going to try and undermine Trump every step of the way. And I will, I'll, I'll say this public, I'll give a public a bit of advice to Trump. Be careful who you bring in around you. There are people, hangers on, official Washington. Don't trust a lot of them. They'll be the first to bail on you when there's any controversy, and there will be controversy. It's inevitable. I don't like Assad. Who's going to like Assad? But we have no idea who these people and what they're going to be and what they're going to represent. They may be far worse than Assad. Look at Libya. Look at Iraq. Look at the mess we have after spending $2 trillion, thousands of lives, wounded warriors all over the place who I love. Okay, all over. We have nothing. And I said, keep the oil. And we should have kept the oil, believe me. We should have kept the oil. And you know what? We should have given the oil. We should have given big chunks to the people that lost their arms, their legs, and their families, and their sons and daughters. Because right now, you know who has a lot of that oil? Iran and ISIS. If I had been running a Republican campaign against President Obama last year, I would have run it entirely on the VA. Mm -hmm. A bureaucracy, a bloated big government program that can't be fixed and let's do right by our veterans. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, do, you, do you have any new ideas for trying to fix it? I mean, every, there, you can't find a person in politics who doesn't say we shouldn't do right by our veterans. Mm -hmm. But for some reason, this can't get fixed fast enough. 
Yeah, and I don't understand that. Uh, you know, I don't understand why we have such a problem because there have been a number of surveys of veterans and overall, veterans who do get treated are satisfied with their treatment. Much now, more so than people much, in the regular system. Uh, it's exactly yeah. right. right. Now, nobody would believe that from the coverage that uh, you see uh, and the constant uh, berating of the VA that comes from the Republicans in, in part in pursuit of this ideological agenda. That but in have. part because there has been real scandal. There has been, but it's not been as widespread as it has been made out to be. Now, I do think that some of the reforms that were adopted last year should be given a chance to work. Uh, if there is a waiting period uh, that is just uh, unacceptable, you should be able to, in a sense, get uh, the opportunity to go out, have a private physician take care of you, but at the cost of the VA. We are going to fix our inner cities and rebuild our highways, bridges, tunnels, airports, schools, hospitals. We're going to rebuild our infrastructure, which will become, by the way, second to none. And we will put millions of our people to work as we rebuild it. We will also finally take care of our great veterans. We've been so loyal, and I've gotten to know so many over this 18-month journey. The time I've spent with them during this campaign has been among my greatest honors. Our veterans are incredible people. We will embark upon a project of national growth and renewal. I will harness the creative talents of our people, and we will call upon the best and brightest to leverage their tremendous talent for the benefit of all. It's going to happen. We have a great economic plan. We will double our growth and have the strongest economy anywhere in the world. At the same time, we will get along with all other nations willing to get along with us. We will be. We'll have great relationships. We expect to have great, great relationships. All right, there you have, I think, one of the most important promises Donald Trump made on this Veterans Day to our vets and our VA and our horrible treatment of those veterans. You know, one of the saddest things is to me, and we could never as a country do this again here. And I'm saying this on Veterans Day. 58,000 Americans killed in Vietnam. So many others had their legs blown off, their arms blown off, their faces disfigured. 58,000 killed only for America to politicize it. And after it's politicized, America pulls out. We send brave men and women to fight, bleed, and die in Mosul, Ramadi, Fallujah, Tikrit, Baghdad. They do their job. They win those cities only to have the war politicized, and we pull out, and in this case, 5,000 dead, many more losing their arms and legs, and, and many more disfigured. And you have to ask yourself, for what? If, we're not, if we are not committed to winning a war, don't put American lives in jeopardy. Don't ask these men to do their job and put their ass on the line and die for nothing because you don't have the stomach to see it through because you're putting your own political future ahead of what's in their best interest and we got to fix our broken va and on this veterans day I, I i would feel negligent if we didn't hit this joining us now army staff sergeant travis mills 82nd airborne author of the new york times best-selling memoir entitled tough as they come jonathan gillum is a navy seal former fbi and federal air marshal host of the uh, experts 
And Duncan Hunter, congressman from San Diego, is with us as well. He's a vet himself, and I believe you're a Marine, right, sir? Yeah, and that was our birthday yesterday. Yeah. So sorry for these guys, but we had our birthday yesterday and Veterans <laughs> Day today, so I'm one up on them. Oh, so you've been drinking for 48 hours, that's all. Is that what you're saying? You're celebrating for two full days? You're right. <laughs> I'm only kidding. Well, do, do any of you disagree with what I said? No, you know, I, I got to tell you, I agree with everything that you just said there, Sean, but you can calm down now because Trump won. <laughs> no, it's not a matter of calming down. That's not that's not the issue. The issue is, are we going to how many more wars are we going to start and ask these guys to win? And they're winning it and they're risking their lives and many are dying only to politicize the war because corrupt Washington allows that to happen. I'm not willing to lose one life if we're not willing to see a war through till the end. No, I agree with you, but the key, here's the key to it. If you're going to drain the swamp, you can't fill the swamp back up with more swamp water. you got to drain the swamp, and you got to fill it with operators and uh, people who, from all branches and from the FBI and the intel services that know what they're doing, not political appointees, uh, not speech writers, not people who uh, are there to change uh, the Constitution. You have to fill that swamp with people that know what they're doing and how to defeat an enemy. Yeah, Sean, uh, Travis Mills chimed in here. I, so, uh, if people don't realize, you know, know who I am, I did step on a bomb. I'm a quadruple amputee from the wars, and I just want to say that not to point fingers or blame, but somewhere the war got politicized for Afghanistan. And when we would go out, we'd come back in at nighttime. We were told we couldn't go out at night anymore. Karzai asked us not to go out at nighttime, so we get to watch people. I watched them personally on a raid camera put bombs in the ground. And we were told, no, you can't shoot mortars, you can't shoot the bad guys, and you can't shoot at them unless they're shooting at you. So the next day we had to go out and try to find these bombs they put in. Now with Iraq coming up, there are people deploying to Iraq, whether we uh, want to talk about it or not. And I think it's horrible that we're going to go back into Iraq. And, of course, Americans are not going to sit on the sidelines. We're hard-fighting, hard-charging, you know, meat-eating, fire-breathing machines. And it's our own weapons that ISIS has taken, our guns, our ammunition, our trucks. And they're going to be the ones shooting our stuff back at us because of the poor exit plans. So I think that it is great that we are having a leader that's going to step up to the plate and make sure they put American lives first. And if there's a job to be done overseas, we're going to go over and do it and get it done the right way. I, I can't see if it's going to be any type of, you know, one of the things that I think Trump realized is that any quagmire in the Middle East is, is going to be very difficult, hard and arduous. And if you're going to do it, you better make these countries pay for their own liberation. If you're going to do it, there better be an exit strategy. If you're going to do it, you better define victory ahead of time. And I do believe that the Trump doctrine, if there's one emerging, is stay as far away from this quagmire, this mess as possible. And if you're going to do it, go in with overwhelming force and get the hell out of there. Sean, this is Duncan. Let me say this, and you can probably articulate this better than I can. So, so I... I feel like like what I did in Iraq and Afghanistan, I was proud to serve under President Bush. For the last eight years, I felt that, you know, I did all of what I did, and, and the guys on the line right now and the millions of others who served overseas, we, we did what we did for our country, and I felt like it was almost a wasted effort. I've always been proud of our country. Just because we've had a bad president the last eight years doesn't take away from what America means. But I am so happy right now, and it's hard for me to even put this into words, how proud I am again, and just how honored I am to have someone like Trump that's a no BS kind of guy who's going to knock heads together and who wants to put us first, meaning not just veterans, but America. And we are we are great people, and we should not be ashamed anymore to say, hey, we are the best. Hey, sorry, world. We're the best people in the world. We're the best fighters. We're the smartest. We have the best economy. 
We're based on Christian Judeo values. We value life. I mean, I, I'm just extremely excited and happy on, you know, today, Veterans Day, and, and I'm not working today. I'm, I'm enjoying this with my uh, buddy, Kevin Kochi, who's a 160th pilot, Blue Seals and Delta. We're just, we're, we're, we are extremely excited, and we, we can't quite put it into words over what this means to have somebody who appreciates what we've done, not, not just paying lip service to our, our veterans and the guys that are in now, but really understands, hey, America's awesome. And, and we've fought for an awesome country and an awesome ideal and no. idea. And uh, I'm, I'm just happy. I, I can't even put it into words, frankly. Anyway, I appreciate you being with us, all of you guys, on this Veterans Day. And uh, I wish you, we honor you for your service. We really do. What we do here every day on this radio program is we have freedom of speech. Where did it come from? It came from, if we're going to go right back to the beginning and where this battle comes from, it's from brave men and women that fought for this for us, that defended us from oppression and Nazism and fascism and communism and every other ism, and now it's is radical Islamism. By the way, Travis, tell us about your foundation, by the way. I know you have a big foundation. Absolutely. The Travis Mills Foundation, I founded it so that I could give back. Uh, I got great support from Walter Reed and people throughout the nation. Thanks to Fox News covering my story so well with, uh, yeah. with you and Jenna Lee and everybody there and, and – um, by the way, I, I, I have a picture of you in front of me. Now, you, you had both your legs blown off and an arm blown off, or both yeah, arms blown uh, off. Both arms. Yeah, I'm, a, I'm one of five surviving quadruple amputees. Very fortunate. And after I got blown up... Um, by by the up. way, I want everyone to just focus on what you just said. I'm one of five uh, quadruple amputees, and I was very fortunate. I, I mean, I, I, am not, I am saying that for those of us that have never suffered anything like you have, that is an incredible statement about your strong mindset, how mentally strong you are. It's an inspiration. Well, thank you. I, I'm very fortunate to have my wife and my daughter. I told my wife to leave me when I got blown up, take all the money we had, you can have it and go, the house. And she said, that's not how this works. And you know what? I came to a realization that I have so many great friends of mine that did not make it home, that don't take their daughter to school, that don't go out and date their wife, don't call their parents because they're not here. You know, what I, you know what I'd like to see? You know, why don't you take Travis's foundation and name and everything, and I want you to send it over to Kellyanne and the, and the Trump people. Maybe you could be part of the effort to fix the VA for those guys that need it. I hey, would, I was going to tell you, I know you're good friends. Pass my name along. I actually was texting with, uh, with Donald Trump Jr. last night, letting him know that uh, congratulations. Uh, um, All right, do me a favor. Text Donald Jr. and say, Hannity just had me on the radio, and Hannity thinks I should be part of the team that helps fix the broken VA system. I know it better than anybody. I can do that, absolutely. And then don't, and you know, I'll take all the heat. They already know I'm a nut, so that's fine. Well, and then if people want to know more about me, not to like promote myself on your show, and I appreciate having me, but TravisMills.org has all my information. We do run a nonprofit. We bring people out that have been blown up or shot and paralyzed. I, I would love to see you as part of the team to rebuild the VA and fix the VA. Yeah. You know, I'm in. all right, I'm cool. In. All right, I'm going to write Don Jr. later tonight about it. All right, thank you, sir. Absolutely. God bless you all, and thank you for your sacrifice, all of you. Uh, Jillian's in Houston, Texas, KTRH. What's up, Jillian? How are you? John, thank you so much for taking my call. Um, I'll I'll keep it quick. Um, I'm a 25 year old deplorable from Houston that voted for Trump, and I want to say that I am very excited about the um, election, but I have to admit I'm feeling pretty uh, pretty upset um, with everything that's been going on, specifically with the protests, which is why I'm calling you. Um, I will not uh, mention any names where I work, but I work in a very prominent um, prominent field in the medical center, very prominent company in the Houston Medical Center. 
And I have had people argue with me that um, the right has been protesting Obama for the past eight years. And my first my first argument was, well, no, we haven't. We haven't been starting riots. We haven't been out in the streets fighting. We haven't been, you know, spraying graffiti on military landmarks. We haven't been inciting violence. But after I kind of thought about it, I said, yes, you know, actually, we did protest, and we protested in the way that I know how to protest, which is getting out there, getting our word across to people, going to these inner cities and talking to other people about what Trump's going to bring for our country, going to these rallies, seeing what he's going to do, and then voting. And our win on Tuesday what is what I feel was our protest. And it's just, it's sickening to me the way that... I, the way that we're being portrayed, and I, I just, I don't understand it, and it disgusts me, especially as a millennial, because I am not anything like the millennials are being portrayed with these protests, and it's just, it's truly really disgusting, and I feel like if they really did care about the country, where were you the past year and a half? You know, that's the amazing thing. All these liberals that are out there, all of them, that claim that they care about the country, and you know, I'm like, guys, do you not look at data like I do? And I'm done. I'm not repeating the economic data until it starts getting better because I'm sick of it. But I did it for a reason. And that was to make people aware of just how bad it was because nobody else was reporting on it. And I needed to etch it in people's brains. And it worked, I think, a little. Anyway, thank you so much, Jillian. God bless you. And I hope we can fix this mess and drain this swamp and, and balance this budget so that your generation will have the opportunities that uh, that my generation had. Maybe All right, it's a Friday, and what a week it's been. Little Friday night. Get our party hats on. Turn your party lights on. Let's do it. Let's cruise. Florida, Georgia, live. Here we go. Chevy with it. Kate, look a hell of a lot better with you up in it. This is like a Florida Georgia line party light on week. All right, let's transition. What do we got? Here we go. This is how we roll, right? The parties at this is how we light it up, hands up. This is how we do. We burning down the night, shooting bullets at the moon. Yeah. 
how we roll come on you know that makes you feel good you know how you'd be feeling if the result was different on tuesday come on we stick to our guns we love who we love and we want to have fun yeah we cuss on them mondays and pray on them sundays pass it around and we dream about one day Come on, everybody in the car. With our hands up, this is how we roll. This is how we ride. We're swinging up the mud, cutting through the countryside. Maybe this is how we roll. This is how we roll. This is what we do. Let's go. Shooting bullets at the moon, baby. This is how... You don't get what that means, do you? All right, let me explain it to Linda. You don't know what shooting bullets at the moon is? You know why? Because you're a Philly, New York City girl. You don't get it. You that really don't know. That I'm very familiar with bullets. No, no. <laughs> the exact opposite. No, but it's not shooting bullets. I hear bu- bullets at the moon. I run. I hide. No, it's shooting bullets at the moon, meaning, you know, it's kind of more of a rural thing. You're hanging out with your boys. You're hanging out with the girls. You're having a good time partying. I'm in it's- the rural, I'm rural with the boys and the girls. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and like you're hanging out on a Friday, Saturday night, and somebody might pull out the thing and probably a pelican, of course, and shoot a pellet at the moon. Joking. Skeet shooting. You're so you're so New York. You're so Philly. Listen, you're so listen, Philly. My husband loves guns. Yeah, and, and you know we have some property in Pennsylvania. It means you're acting a little bit over the top, and you know, you know, in other words, I'm gonna hit the moon with this bullet. Put it in my sight. Boom. Is that something you've done, Sean? No, no, I'm very responsible gun owner. It's Clearly, just, from that singing, you're a tame and mild mannered individual. I just did the whoa. I just did that part because that's the fun it. part. You sang lots of other parts. Did you not like it? I loved it. You sing like you were having a hernia. Okay? <laughs> I'm not having a hernia. No, you I'm sang, a little delirious. You, you sang like we won the election. That's how. You That's sang. how I'm singing. Like we won the election, and we did. You know what would I be playing otherwise if Hillary won? Oh God! Bye bye, Miss American Pie. Drove my Chevy to the levee. The levee was dry. And uh, all the boys were drinking whiskey and rising, and this is the day that I'll die. You know how many people had a, a, a what, what is it, an obituary written for me this week? Let me tell you why I don't care. Because some people say, Hannity, you really went out on a limb this time. Linda, is this any different than the last election? Is this any different than 08? Is this ever, any different than 04? Don't I kind of do this every election season? 
And why do I do it? Because I love my country, and I know liberalism is a failure. And this time, I just got to present the facts. And the facts are these that I explained every day, and I'm not going to explain them anymore. Because the election's over. About American suffering. Why do I say this is the election of the forgotten man? The forgotten man and woman. The guy sitting on a bench, upset because there's no jobs, no hope, no opportunity. And all there is is, you know, a big government handout that puts crumbs on your table. Big deal. That's not the America that I want to live in. We could do so much better. We can have so much more opportunity. So that a dopey paper boy, dishwasher, bartender, busboy, painter, paper hanger, framer, tile layer like me can pursue my dream and actually reach it. That's what this is about. That's the forgotten man. And hopefully, I have hope. I'm not unrealistic. I'm not Pollyannish. I have hope that the rungs that have been pulled out of the ladder to prosperity, that we can start banging the rungs back in place, and then eventually we'll start being able to climb up the ladder again. You know, I don't, I don't give a rip about all the people that have money. Who cares? They got their money. It's not like they're going to lose their millions of dollars. I'm not Who cares about them? They're fine. But I am worried about the people in poverty, the people on food stamps, the people like me that lived on credit cards and, and barely could pay rent and worked for my landlord to pay my rent. That's what I care about. That's, that's my background. That's what those are the people that, that came out to vote in droves. You know, I hate to say it, Michael Moore, he got this right. No, he did. No, I, I saw him on uh, a clip of him somewhere this morning. He was on the Morning Joe show. Is that show still on the air? They, aren't they a cute couple? Come on. I always, I said that for years. I'm just trying to figure out how that, how that pillow talk actually works with those two. Yeah. I don't know. What do you think happens with that pillow talk? <laughs> please be quiet, Mika, please. <laughs> you mean what they do on TV? Actually, transfers into pillow talk i don't know i'm trying not to think about it now that i started this conversation you know who cares i I could care less what they do do you care what they do no i don't care i don't don't care care what michael moore does either but michael he's an opportunist i don't No, i think he's an opportunist but i don't think he's i don't think there is something about him as wrong as he is about the answers there's something about him that recognized Although he won't say what needs to be said. What needs to be said is Obama was an abysmal failure. Hillary would have been as big a failure. Government handouts are not the answer. Government dependencies, not the answer. Government schools, not the answer. Government health care, not the answers. Government run VA, not the answer. Government regulations that prevent all progress is not the answer. That's where he's wrong, but... He did see on some level, especially in the Rust Belt, the real suffering. Remember I was saying before the election, people in Michigan, what are you doing? How could you not see that liberalism has failed you spectacularly? And that's why I think Trump has a very narrow window of time. He's got to get his agenda passed fast. And he's got to get energy opened up. He's got to get corporate rates low. He's got to get tax cuts flowing. He's got to open up the spigot for gas and keystone and drilling and fracking and coal. And this way, we got to get jobs immediately. 
I think that's the quickest way to do it. And then we need to tell Saudi Arabia and the rest of these countries that hate us to go pound sand. They can keep their oil and they can shove it where the sun doesn't shine. Sell it to China. Sell it to Vladimir. Oh, Vladimir has his own. And you know what else we can do if we really crank up production of energy? Well, we can help our allies in Western Europe that need energy desperately, and they won't be so dependent on Russia in case, you know, crazy Putin decides to turn off the spigot. That would be good, too. All right, let's get to some phone calls here. Luke, Lake City, Florida. What's up, Luke? How are you? Happy Friday. Hi, Sean. How you doing? I'm good. What's happening? Not much. I'm calling. I'm excited. I'm so glad we won. I know you were with Trump for a long time. Uh, I was a Cruz guy, but right now this is absolutely crucial. This transition from Obama administration into Trump administration, who he puts into these cabinet secretary offices and in charge of these different uh, bureaucracies is absolutely crucial. And uh, you seem to have a pipeline to him, and with this Chris Christie in there, and bringing in these Romney, and and I hear um, uh, uh, Senator Bob Corker uh, possibly being considered for Attorney General, um, uh, and this needs to be brought a light to. We need to shut that down. We need to steer Trump into the right direction, pull him onto our side more. Um, I feel like he's got a an internal uh, big government kind of progressive ideology, but he's kind of changed, and I think we just need to really hold his feet to the fire. Your thoughts? Uh, I tend to agree. I think uh, one of the main concerns I have, and I will express this as loudly as I can if I'm, gi- if I'm given an opportunity. You know, I think there are a lot of hangers-on out there. I think there are a lot of people that didn't go all in for Donald Trump. And I think a lot of people out there that would be the first to run for the hills when controversy will come. It's not a matter of if, it's when it comes. Uh, And I think there's a whole group of people that don't have the stomach and don't have the loyalty and that they're hangers on and they don't have the concept of being a public servant. I mean, Donald Trump right off the top is serving his country. He didn't do it for the money. He didn't do it for, I don't think, the glory of it because there's no, you know, I think he did it because he genuinely wants to solve problems. That's my take on it, having spent a lot of time with him. But not everybody around him is going to have the same motivation as he does. And that's to fix the country. Anyway, Mike Pence and the Trump kids are apparently now leading the transition team. I think that's actually pretty good. Because I don't think anyone's going to look out for their father like their kids will. And Mike Pence has shown himself to be extraordinarily tough and loyal. He was a great choice. So, but yeah, I see a lot of people out there that I'm worried about. I'm worried. I don't think I don't think Bob Corker is the right guy for state. Oh my God, no! I think that'd be a horrible choice. You know, Chris Christie. I mean, he seemed ready to run for the hills when the tape came out. I, I like him personally, but you know, is he going to be there through thick and thin when times get tough? I, I, I look the the left. Let me use an example. I've been always like Sun Tzu and the art of war as it relates to, you know, these anti-Trump protesters. You know, you fight the enemy where they're not. And in other words, I would suggest like with these protesters and other people, hangers on, that you not respond to them. You focus on, you know, Veterans Day. You, You focus on the VA system. You focus on repealing Obamacare. You focus on building your wall you focus on immigration and refugees and 
and the things that really matter, which is your agenda and how you're going to get your agenda done and complete. More Than a Movie is back with season two. I'm your host, Alex Fumero. And each week I'm going to talk to the people behind your favorite movies. From The Godfather, Andy Garcia. He has the smarts of Vito, the temper of Sonny, the warmth of Fredo, and the coldness of Michael. To the legend behind La Bamba, Lou Diamond Phillips. When I walked in, I didn't think I had a shot at Richie because John Stamos's picture was already up on the wall. Listen to more than a movie on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, I'm Jay Shetty, and I'm the host of the On Purpose podcast. This week, I talked to Orlando Bloom in a rare interview where we went deep into how to get comfortable with fear and how to change the guilt and shame thought pattern. People say, what are you afraid of, right? I'm afraid of fear because it's like, I want to confront anything in my life that feels challenging on those levels. Listen to On Purpose with Jay Shetty on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Michael Rappaport. And I'm Kibi Rappaport. And together we're hosting Rappaport's, Rappaport's Reality, Reality Podcast. Podcast. We have a passion for reality TV, and we're inviting you into our living room. We're dissecting the drama, and we're giving praise to the single greatest form of entertainment on television today. That is right. Reality TV is the greatest form of entertainment on television today. Listen to Rappaport's Reality starting May 8th on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcast, or wherever you get your podcasts.